the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. I always look forward to Thursdays at noon. It is when we typically catch up with Matt Mayer of Opportunity Ohio. Follow him on Twitter at Ohio Matt and read his site, opportunityohio.org. A lot of great business trends in there. And Matt is awesome on current events, local events, national events, and trends. So, Matt, let's start with uh, you and I both engaged in a bit of a, uh, well, I don't know if it was a Twitter spat, but it was definitely some tweeting going back and forth precipitated by the uh, sudden uh, downsizing, shall we say kindly, of uh, dispatch political reporter Daryl Rowland. Uh, 31 years, gone. Surprise to him, I'm sure. And uh, I responded to his tweet that the truth will set you free, noting that that was an incomplete quote from John 8, which then somehow sucked you into the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. so I, I just didn't fall on your note by just saying, like, you know, how I, in my second book, Taxpayers Don't Stand a Chance, that I thoroughly documented the news, news page bias of the dispatch, you know, under Daryl and Randy and the whole crew. Uh, as well as the other big Ohio papers. Um, and, and what I did is I methodically went through over the course of years, you know, how the editorial page would, would cover stuff done by the Buckeye Institute or Opportunity Ohio, what have you. But the news page would not ever report on a single piece of work done by those groups. Where at the same time, right, the news page always found time to do stuff from Innovation Ohio, Policy Matters Ohio, Progress Ohio, Greater Ohio, all these left-leaning left-wing groups. And, and so, I, you know, it's a pretty open and shut case of bias. So I note that. Then some never heard of her before, reporter in Cincinnati, Nancy Averett, kind of tweets at me, you know, something like, oh, you know, a, a self-published book, I assume, which was kind of her way of taking a shot at me, like I'm some crank who just sits over there and, you know, self-publishes books because that's all I have to do. So I came back at her and said, oh, you got me, Nancy. You know, fact is, my first book was published by a publisher, but they priced it at $49, and it took a year for them to get it out. So I said, forget that. When I wrote my second book about Ohio, I wanted it to get out on the street fast, and I wanted it to be affordable to Main Street, Ohio. So I self-published it and then went around and put out, you know, I think 6,000 copies of it all around Ohio. And so it's one of those things where, again, even this Nancy Averett, whoever the heck she is, right, her bias comes out just in tweeting at somebody because, like, is that the role for her as a, as a journalist to kind of snarky little, oh, self-published, I assume. But it was yeah. just funny because, like, they're so defensive because they don't want to admit that they are biased. Well, and you can see it in the way that more so, I would say, questions that aren't asked. It's also, you, you, you nailed it. It's the sources they cite as they act like there are no pro-life uh, sources in their Rolodex or phone. They can never find maybe one but they always find five, six, seven on House Bill six sixteen. They found a transgender hairstylist in Dayton who could write an editorial for them. They couldn't find anybody who would say anything good about House Bill six sixteen. They have not asked the question of Andrew Ginther, why'd you spend 
$6 million to pay off people who were whining about the riots, and now every single cop has been exonerated. And, uh, you know, they're not asking tough questions on these juvenile car thefts in Columbus. We had a juvenile, a 14-year-old, Matt, who this week crashed a stolen car that he was driving into a garbage truck. This same kid, around a month ago, was the lucky one who walked out of a crash where two of his 14-year-old buddies were killed. Those questions are not being asked of juvenile court judges who specifically protested Operation Game Over, the police initiative, and juvenile car thefts in Columbus. So folding what we talked about with media bias into what you see here among 14-year-olds stealing cars and walking away from a crash and, like, not at all adapting their behavior in light of that. Well, look, this is just like the, the group of 14-year-old kids uh, who about a month and a half ago beat, beat and killed some 78-year-old guy just walking home with a garbage can. You know, there is this dehumanization that's settling into certain parts of America that is really troubling, where they don't see people as humans. They don't get what they're doing, right, whether it's murdering a 70-year-old guy with a garbage can or ramming a car, killing people, then a month later doing it again. It, it's like they they're like they think life is a video game in that, you know, oh, uh, when you die, you get a second chance. Like, you know, you come back in the game and, and parachute back down into your, you know, your game, and it's just not how it works. And and, and that's that that trend seems to be growing, which is really troubling. Matt Mayer is our guest. OpportunityOhio.org. Check out his Twitter at Ohio Matt and read his Substack, The Patriot Mind. I think it's a total detachment from reality because there are never any consequences for actions. And when you have judges, judges, juvenile judges, that's their job. They're supposed to hold these kids accountable. Consequences for actions. There are no consequences for action. We had a case earlier this week where a 16-year-old comes out of a turkey hill. Whitehall police have their guns drawn uh, because, you know, you don't know if he's got a gun. And they've got his car penned in. He gets in his car, ignores the cops with their guns drawn, gets in his car, floors it, tries to ram their cruisers. Cops pull him out of, their, of his car, and he's laughing at them. Laughing at them. Like, w- how do we get to a point where we recapture in the youth of today the idea that was prevalent when you and I were younger, which was, gee, I don't want to get in trouble because of what might happen to me if I get in trouble. Well, just personal responsibility, right? Accountability, the kind of stuff where, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, when if I got in trouble, I can guarantee you, right, I was terrified to go home to my six foot six, you know, 350 pound dad. Yep. I mean, yep. because, you know, life was different there. But now, you know, you can't do anything to kind of pull in line, especially young men, right? Young, young teens, teen boys. It makes it really tough. And, you know, I'm not advocating child abuse. Of course, I never would, right? But there's a, there, there is some element of, you know, how do you control, especially in fatherless societies, right, or places where these kids just don't seem to know what consequences are? How do you hold them responsible? It's really difficult. Well, lack of consequences for actions is an interesting segue. I'm talking with Matt Mayer of OpportunityOhio.org. Follow him on Twitter at Ohio Matt because let's talk about nationally. The CDC, Rochelle Walensky, the director comes out with this uh, mea culpa, and it's a word salad. She's talking about their response to COVID, and she says we did not, and I quote, reliably meet expectations. We failed to meet the moment, which is, in my way of thinking, a pretty clever way of saying we got everything wrong. But at an organization like that, with something as consequential as COVID, which is killing uh, a million people, I would think if you got it that wrong— Somebody might be losing their job, but I don't see that happening. 
Well, no, you know, this is exactly right. Like this, this is this is government accountability going out the window, right? Because this is not a oh, whoops, we really messed up, and we've now set back the educational uh, growth of of tens of millions of kids, right? Over a million people died. You know, in just as simple as this, Bruce, stop calling it a vaccine. Yeah. It's a pre-therapeutic. Yeah. Because vaccines work. Yeah. Well, if you get the shot, I've had I've had the shot. I've been boosted. Guess what? You still get COVID. You can get COVID multiple times. Well, that's just it just lessens the symptomology, which is pre-therapeutic. And so, you know, you think about this, right? And this applies to you know, I see it in my own eyes, right? Judges who get things so wrong, but they don't pay any consequence for it. So they get reversed by a court of appeals, you know, three nothing. The court of appeals says they were out of out of their rocker for what they did. Does that judge get reprimanded, get disciplined, get fired? No, just like the CDC. Not a single person will lose their job at the CDC, despite the massive damage they did with their failures over the last two years. And, and that, is, that is the problem with government, which is why so many people turn to politicians who try to drain the swamp, want to try to get rid of the establishment, the, the deep state, all that stuff, because it just seems they don't ever pay a consequence that the rest of us have to live with. And so they over-magnified aspects of COVID, and they, you know, were intractable and wearing masks. And here we are two, almost, you know, long time away from the start of COVID in March of 2020. And Ohio University has a mask mandate. Like, I, I am stunned that supposedly educated people are still advocating. Makisha Roberts locally, oh, you should wear a mask indoors. Like, it's... We won't. We'll admit we're wrong at the CDC level, but basically, we're not going to take no for an answer on this. Yeah. Again, you just sit back and you think, you know, who is making the adult decisions here, right? Because again, most of the kids are going to be vaccinated. Most of the professors are going to be vaccinated. So, like, what? What's the point of it, right? Especially when we know that there's an ineffectiveness of those things. So, you just scratch your head and wonder, you know. When when will common sense prevail again in America on whatever, whatever the issue is, right? And, and, and this is where, going full circle back to the beginning, you know, journalists don't do their job anymore. I call them ginos, journalists in name only, because, like, they really don't. And, and you made this point, in this, and I put, it, put this in the chapter in the book I cover, where I talk about how it's not just what they cover, it's what they don't cover, mm-hmm. right? They decide not to cover certain things. It's how they cover it. It's, it's not, it's, you know, you don't see the conservative person quoted till the you know, 18th paragraph where people have stopped reading. And if it is quoted, then they find somebody who, you know, is kind of an extreme whack job person that makes a caricature of the right. And, and that's, that's what they always do. So it, it, it's very selective and careful how they do it. So you've got to really watch and observe. But then you look at the stuff and where was the press for the last two years on COVID, on the CDC failures? Where? There's Nowhere. Absent, absent. And there were people like Alec Berenson who were covering this stuff aggressively, doing a great job, getting banned on Twitter. And that's a real problem. Yeah, it is a problem. The uh, one good thing I do see in, in certain cases, the marketplace prevails because the declining readership of the dispatch is evidence of that, that locally uh, people understand what they're getting fed. And a lot of them are pushing away from the liberal table. Matt, it's always great to have you on. Appreciate you coming on. Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org. Follow him on Twitter at Ohio Matt, and his substack is The Patriot Mind. Matt, we'll talk to you again next week. Hey, thanks, Bruce. Well, you might have heard that we have a little something uh, enacted into law called the Inflation Reduction Act. 
At least that's what it was called when they were debating about whether to pass it. Uh, now that it has been passed, uh, they are no longer calling it in Democratic circles. The, And I mean by that, I mean the media. <laughs> they are no longer calling it the Inflation Reduction Act because uh, it's not going to reduce inflation. That was, of course, uh, not an admission that the uh, left was willing to make before they got it passed. But now they are willing to make that because if you name it the Inflation Reduction Act, people tend to expect inflation to go down. Uh, But that's not going to happen. Here is the guy who made it happen, Joe Manchin, without whose vote it would not have become law. Talking, well, he's not really talking. He's answering a question from Fox News' Hillary Vaughn. Is it misleading to call this the Inflation Reduction Act for Americans when it's not going to make their grocery bill cheaper? It's not going to make everyday goods cheaper for them? Why would it? Why would it? Well, immediately it's not, but I mean, we never seen anything happen immediately like today. It's turn the switch on and off. Oh, you want the Inflation Reduction Act to reduce inflation like like now? Oh, 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 we didn't know that. Boy, they don't have any compunction about lying right to your face, do they? No, they do not. So it's not going to reduce inflation, number one. It is now being more accurately referred to as a climate change and tax increase bill. And, of course, one of the things that people know about this bill is that it expands the IRS (laughs) in incomprehensible ways. A budget, an organization with a budget of $12.6 billion now gets an additional $80 billion in funding to hire 87,000 new agents. To do what? Well, presumably to tax the rich, right? They're going to, they're not going to tax any of us making less than $400,000 a year. They're not even going to audit us, they say, which, you know, uh, I didn't just ride in here on a head of cabbage. There's no way they're not going to audit people making less than $400,000 a year now that they have 87,000 more IRS agents searching around looking for something to do. But let me just say that I don't think it's a bad idea to go look for money that is due the government. I just think they're going to be looking in decidedly the wrong place. If they would like to recover a lot of money, Would it not be a better use of our tax dollars rather than hire 87,000 new IRS agents? Would it not be a better idea to hire maybe some investigators for the Department Department of Labor? Do you know how many investigators they have at the Department of Labor? They have 500. Do you know how many cases they have? At the Department of Labor involving unemployment fraud. They have 39,000. That's right. They have 500 agents for 39,000 cases of unemployment fraud related to free government handouts during the pandemic. Also, rather than hire 87,000 IRS agents... Would it not be a better idea to hire some new investigators for the Small Business Administration? Do you know how many investigators they have at the entire Small Business Administration 
offices. 50. 50. Do you know how much money it is estimated was lost in fraudulent PPE loans to small businesses during the pandemic? Care to guess? Somewhere between 80. This is the the quintessential testament to government ineptitude. The estimates of the amount of money stolen by fraudulent small business PPE loans, which were forgiven. All you had to do was file within a certain allotted time to get your loan entirely forgiven. You know what they estimate the losses in fraudulent small business PPE payouts to be? Somewhere between 80, and you're thinking somewhere between what, 80 and $81 billion? No, somewhere between 80 and $100 billion. They can't even pinpoint it. They're not even sure within $20 billion worth of fraud. But we're going to hire 87,000 IRS agents to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You sold that old magazine on eBay and you got 20 bucks for it and you didn't declare that on your taxes. Man, I'm telling you, this is such idiocy. And when you want somebody to call out idiocy, uh, there is no better candidate to do it than Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. You're not going to be able to contend with the audit. Uh, So they're going to crush a lot of people uh, by doing that. And I think of all the things that have come out of Washington uh, that have been outrageous, uh, this has got to be pretty close to the top. And and I think it was basically just a middle finger uh, to the American public that this is what they think of you, all these problems we have to deal with, and they think the way is to do 87,000 IRS agents. There's going to be more people in the IRS than in, like a lot of these other agencies combined now. Um, you know, they're not putting very much might down at the border, I can tell you that right now, but they want to be able to do it and, and unleash them on uh, American taxpayers. And so so that's wrong, and it's going to be targeted at people that the government doesn't like. No doubt about that. It's absolutely positively going to be targeted at people that the government does not like. Here's Fox's Larry Kudlow on the amount of fraud out there due to the pandemic and the incredible stupidity and inability of the federal government to do anything right. Do not keep throwing government money. Whatever the intentions are, there is no way to monitor it. Fraud is inevitable. Crime is inevitable. That's the way the system works. The government can't control any of this stuff. By the way, the COVID is over, or uh, mostly over, okay? I don't want to get slammed for that, but it's basically over. We don't even test anymore much. The fact of the matter is we're still throwing money at it. And he goes on to talk about the EPA being empowered with... I think it's $25 billion to distribute to green energy initiatives. The EPA, since when did the EPA acquire any expertise in banking? This is just going to be more fraud on top of more fraud. Because of course it is. Because it's the Biden administration. And it's the federal government. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.